0: This podcast is brought to you by Contessa Digital. You're listening to things they don't tell her. Everything you don't get taught about periods, pregnancy, and postpartum. I'm going to take you on a journey back to sex ed and teach you what really matters. Ladies, it's time you felt empowered in your bodies. I'm your host, Caitlin Pender, founder of Her Women's Health and I'm sharing tips to optimize your fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum journey. Today, I'm going to be chatting all about healing and preventing abdominal separation. So, abdominal separation is a term that gets thrown around a lot in the world of pregnancy and postpartum recovery. And... First, I want to explain what it is and why it happens. So everyone who becomes pregnant will experience some degree of abdominal separation, and this is because there's no other way for the belly to expand. So most or all women and men have six-pack muscles, and that is their superficial, so their most top layer of their abdominal wall. Is called the rectus abdominis muscles. And that is, on someone who has a very toned abdominal wall, the six-pack muscles that you can visibly see. Now, the reason that that is six muscles, three on each side and not three muscles, is because there is this layer of connective tissue down the midline called our linear alba. Now, if you imagine this layer of connective tissue is like a piece of blue tack. So a long strip of blue tack that's running along the midline of the abdominals. And we have our six pack muscles, three on each side. Now, this abdominal layer, the linear alba, the piece of blue tack during pregnancy as the belly expands, This piece of connective tissue, it thins out, it stretches in order to allow the belly to grow and the baby to grow and the belly to expand. That connective tissue thins out. And imagine that piece of blue tack just being stretched and thinned out slightly along the midline. So this happens to allow the belly to expand and then postpartum, once baby is out, most of the time, over a series of what can be months, weeks, this connective tissue will slowly start to um, shrink back together and it will become firm and thick again, like the original piece of blue tack. So, I love to describe this with a piece of blue tack because if you can visualize a nice thick piece of um, strip of blue tack, like you buy it in the packet. All the way along the abdominal midline. And then as the belly grows in pregnancy, it thins out and it becomes both um, longer, stretched this way, widthwise, and it becomes thinner. And over time, as the abdominal wall heals and we gain strength back through that tissue, the blue tack or the linear alba becomes thicker and stronger and. Um, the gap becomes smaller. So when we are considering abdominal separation, we're thinking about um, often the term that gets thrown around is how many fingers was the abdominal separation. So that is purely thinking about the width. Um, But we also want to think about how deep is the abdominal separation. So um, what is the depth that we can feel down into? And that can be dependent on how thin that blue tack has stretched out. And then what is the tone behind that um, abdominal separation? So is there, does it feel thick? um, And does it feel like there is strong connective tissue there? Or is it really thin and very thinned out? Or has it thinned out so much that there is a tiny little hernia, which is not uncommon around the navel? So what we are concerned about postpartum is when the abdominal separation is still there, it can create this sort of visible um, oval shape most commonly where there's a thickening around the navel and all the way up and the tissue is visibly sort of separated. And what we're concerned is if there's a very, very significant abdominal separation, like quite a few fingers, it can potentially impact the amount of core stability that a woman has. So if she has a significant abdominal separation, then we may be concerned that this could be impacting her back pain or her ability to sort of safely return to exercise. So I really feel that abdominal separation has been blown up a lot in the media and has become um, something that is used as a tool for marketing when what we do know is that significant abdominal separation can lead to, um, you know, back pain and potential impacts. But most abdominal separation doesn't lead to any functional impairment and is only an aesthetic um, condition, which in most cases will heal over time as the abdominal wall gets stronger. So what they've started to look at in the research is what are the current guidelines for abdominal separation? When do we consider someone to have abdominal separation? And um, a recent study, which was done in 2022, so just last year, um, by Kaufman et al looked at a general population and they looked at women and the mean age of the women was anywhere between 22 and 23 and they looked at a general population and they looked at um, what was the average interrector distance so that means the distance the width of that um, interrectus, so between the abdominal muscles so the, the width of that blue tack or that linear alba and they looked at Um, what was normal and what are our current guidelines for classifying postpartum women? And what they found that in a general population with the current guidelines and the current classifications for diastasis recti, as high as 57% of these women would have been classified to have it with the current criteria. And these are women that hadn't even had babies. So we have to keep in mind that there is always some element of a gap. Often I'll have women who um, postpartum, they say, oh, but I've still got a gap here. And there is still always going to be a gap between those muscles, because that is why we have a six pack and not a three pack, because there is naturally that connected tissue in between. What we want, though, is to see really good thickness and tone through that tissue We want to see that that gap has healed up. Um, Looking at this study found the average, if we considered um, over the 80th centile as um, abnormal, then we looked at the um, average person having an interactus distance um, at around 32 millimetres at the umbilicus. So that means up to three centimetres around the navel would be considered a normal interrectus distance. So, you know, depending on the width of your fingers, um, the width of the midwife's fingers, often they'll say um, midwife will assess a woman early on postpartum in the hospital, which is a great screening tool because then we can look for women who have a really significant like five or six centimetre gap where we might need to um, really do more specific rehabilitation but if we're thinking about the general population of postpartum women um anywhere up to a three centimeter gap is very much normal um and we don't need to then pathologize it i think we have a lot of women's health conditions have become over pathologized and we need to remember that the abdominal wall has done nothing but stretch for nine months and we have this Um, beautiful design of the female body that allows the belly to expand because we have this connective tissue that can thin out rather than stretching those muscles as significantly we allow this tissue to stretch um, by having this layer of thin connective tissue in between the muscles Um, and an element of abdominal separation in those early postpartum days is going to be very normal so we want to think about how we can support women rather than pathologizing it and creating fear around, oh, have I, or have I not got abdominal separation? We look at what, um, how can we optimize function? How can we eliminate back pain? How can we strengthen and shorten these muscles that have just been um, stretched for nine months so that we can really regain um tensile load and strength through those um, rectus abdominis muscles in order to get back into physical activity and also just to support um, the daily routines of nursing, lifting, carrying, um, feeding a newborn, and to keep up with a growing baby who's getting heavier every week. So we want to take the focus away from this idea that everyone's sort of damaged and there's a pathology and recognize. Yes, we do want to identify if someone has a really, really significant gap. And the times that I see this would more likely be for women who have had twin pregnancies, for example, or perhaps in a second or third time mum where the belly has expanded significantly more. Um, or sometimes women have just a genetic connective tissue um, Quality that predisposes them to more um, stretching and thinning of that connective tissue. So, those are the things to keep an eye out for. But for the general um, postpartum woman, especially first time mums, often come to me really concerned in pregnancy about abdominal separation. Let's um, remove fear and start to come at an approach of optimizing well being. By enjoying exercise in that postpartum period, moving the body, increasing flexibility in the upper back so we're not getting tight and stiff, which will help with ab separation because um, anytime that these two points are closer together, we get this um, pushing down. So if there is separation, we do want to make sure we optimize posture. And let's look at it from a, an approach of um enjoying moving the body again, enjoying re-strengthening the core muscles so that we can um, engage more easily without pain um, with a growing baby. So I've already talked a little bit about how we assess for abdominal separation um, and how we need to move away from this traditional um, only thinking about the width. We want to think about um, If we're looking at it, what the depth is as well and whether there's tone behind that tissue. So I usually grade that um, from zero to five, zero being, you know, I could almost, there's just no tension when I feel when someone's doing a head lift um, all the way up to five where there's really firm, you know, if you feel that kind of muscle belly on either side, there's really firm tension when someone's doing a, a curl. And over time, as we do Um, shortening exercises for those muscles as we strengthen the external obliques that run across that fascia as we strengthen the underlying pelvic floor and transverse abdominis, that tone and thickness will become um, much stronger and thicker and we'll feel much more tone and functionally that should lead to um, significant improvements in overall function and reported um, core strength. So now if we think about the management of abdominal separation so we've talked a little bit about assessment and how we have um, the need to readdress the clinical guidelines and reassess the current criteria for categorizing abdominal separation knowing that uh, up to three centimeters could be considered a variation of normal Um, and even more in the early days it's more about what's improving and not just about the gap so healing abdominal separation we um looked at some recent research there was a study by Depledge pledge at al in 2021 that looked at different exercises for interrectus distance recovery so it looked at the gap again between the abdominal separation and what different exercises um, what influence different exercises had on that gap and where we saw the most improvement So they looked at the baseline interrectus distance at um, an average of two to four weeks postpartum and they found that two centimeters above the belly button the average distance was three and a half centimeters and two centimeters below the belly button it was an average of 2.6 centimeters. So the um Interactive distance because the belly becomes round in pregnancy, it most commonly is smaller at the top. Usually the navel is where the belly is going to be sort of the furthest out. So the most stretch that's where the interactive distance is likely to be sort of the largest and then um, narrower at the top and bottom. So it is often that so we look at interactive distance in studies above and below the navel. So. Um, they looked at a curl up so a head lift exercise they looked at a side plank um, a transversus abdominis drawing in sort of navel to spine um, pelvic floor exercise they looked at no exercise and they looked at a planking exercise and they found that Um, Across the study, the only exercise that significantly resulted in a decrease in the interactus distance was with a curl-up exercise. No other exercise resulted in a reduction in the interactus distance. So that doesn't mean we don't need to work those other muscles, but if we're purely thinking about abdominal separation, for a long time in the fitness industry, There's been a push away from sit-ups and crunches and curls. There was a lot of fear around that making abdominal separation worse because in some instances, women were experiencing what's called doming or popping, which is where that tissue is kind of um, creating a bulge-like appearance in the midline. And so they, the fitness industry sort of came up with this blanket statement of no, let's not do any crunches, any curls. And part of the reason for this was also pelvic floor physios thinking that um, if they're doing a crunch, so if we think about the pelvic floor, if someone has had a vaginal birth, we are concerned about the amount of pressure going down on the pelvic floor. And if we think about a tube of toothpaste, If you are squeezing and rolling the top of the toothpaste, like when the toothpaste is getting towards the end part, if we're squeezing that and we're pushing a lot of pressure, the bottom of the toothpaste is going to come out. So if we are doing a lot of repetitive sit-ups and crunches, what women's health physios were concerned about is too much squeeze on the top of that tube, putting pressure down on the pelvic floor. Now, what we know now from the research is the um, amount of intra-abdominal pressure and weight down on the pelvic floor from a head lift is very insignificant in comparative to the amount of load and pressure down on the pelvic floor just when we're coming to a standing position. The whole weight of the torso over the pelvic floor is significantly more, particularly if you're baby wearing or holding your baby. So. We don't need to consider this small increase in interabdominal pressure if we're getting such significant improvements to the interactus distance and the healing of that abdominal separation. And the way I like to think about this is um, logically, if the belly has done nothing but expand and stretch for nine months, then what we need to do is start to postpartum shorten those muscles through concentric exercise like a curl up so we want to think about doing these exercises in a way that's also optimizing posture so one of the downsides of doing a lot of shortening exercises is we're always moving into this place of flexion and rounding through the spine which um Women postpartum are often spending a lot of time in this position anyway, because they're sitting nursing, feeding, um, often adopting poor posture. So my favorite way to do this exercise and what I do in my um, Restore Your Core program a lot is use a Pilates ball um, behind the upper back interlock the fingers behind the head and then stretching over the ball so your arm moving into thoracic extension you're getting this beautiful chest opening stretch to reverse all of the rounding and breastfeeding posture and then as we exhale and engage the pelvic floor we are crunching all the way up to create that shortening in the interrectus distance and promote healing of ab separation The other things that I work on in my Restore Your Core program is what I call the five P's. And I'll link the other podcast episode um, in the notes and also in the um, live so that you guys can have a look at that. But the five P's, which will also have an impact on ab separation. The first is posture. I spoke about any time those two points get closer together, it's just pushing more pressure down on that abdominal wall. So if we're sitting with nice tall posture or standing with tall posture, um, we're preventing that compression and that pushing down on that tissue. The second thing is pressure control. So um, when we do see a significant abdominal separation, if we do a crunch or a head lift, And we're not managing our pressure well. And there's already that thinness through the blue tack, the linear alba. What we sometimes see is doming or coning or peeping, whatever we want to call it. But that pushing out of the abdominal layer. Now, what that means is often that we're not getting that um, good exhale breath control. And that we're not pre-activating the pelvic floor in the deep layer. um, So that when we lift the head, we're like squeezing that toothpaste and we're squeezing the pressure out the front. So we do want to make sure that when we're doing headlifting exercises, if there is abdominal separation, that we are finding our breath control. So the first thing is making sure that we're not holding the breath, um, because if we hold the breath, then the pressure will go to the weakest point. And I love to explain this through the analogy of um, female tennis players. They used to have a lot of issues with urinary incontinence. And it was because they would take a deep breath, they would tense their tummy and hold their breath. So when you hold the breath, the diaphragm pushes down and then they'd create this force through their racket. And um, what over time is it's like squeezing the top of the water balloon. And if over time the top of the water balloon keeps being squeezed, that pressure is going to go to the weakest point. And for the tennis players, it happened to be um, the pelvic floor. But for the males, it was um, the abdominal wall and they were getting hernias. So the pressure will go to wherever the point is weakest. And if someone has got quite thinning of the abdominal uh, wall or even an inguinal hernia, which is quite common, a a sort of slight raise of the belly button going from an eene to an outie in pregnancy and creating a little hernia, then sometimes that pressure will go to that point if we're not managing the pressure well. So when we are doing all of our exercises we're managing our posture our pressure control so we're making sure we're breathing out as we do the exercise and that we're getting that deep core pelvic floor recruitment as well so that we're protecting that and not just squeezing the top of the toothpaste Um, and we're slowly progressively increasing we're not just going straight to full sit-ups with breath holds and poor contraction of the deep layer we're learning how to do it in a way that's supported. So um, I'll give my clients the tubi grip, um, the long bands, and I'll often do exercises where they are using the band as assistance to do full roll-ups. And they're always doing it with the really conscious awareness of their exhale breath so that the diaphragm's not squeezing and we're not getting any of that doming. So the P's that we go through are the posture. Um, because that will help to optimize the length of the um, abdominal separation, pressure control. Um, And then we go through posture, pressure control. Um, Then we start to coordinate our pelvic floor and then we add some Pilates and we we do want to move away from just focusing on that rectus abdominis we do want to integrate all of the other layers of the abdominal wall so um, in that study that I spoke about we are mostly focusing on what's going to be the best for that interrectus distance for that gap but of course we also want to focus on strengthening the obliques um, particularly if you've had a cesarean birth because during a caesarean birth, the myofascial sling that connects the opposite inner thigh to your oblique is disrupted. So we really wanna work on regaining that um, fascial strength through that system. And then we wanna focus on that deep layer, the pelvic floor and focus on all of the layers of the abdominal wall so that we're not just biasing one. So we're getting that whole functional movement and we're working through different planes. So then we aim to progress all of our exercises. And when we do our exercise programs in Restore Your Core, we are considering are you getting any pain, so particularly pain over a 3 out of 10, any pressure, heaviness dragging vaginally that might indicate um, too much pressure down on the pelvic floor, any peeping, so doming, abdominal separation, any peeing, that's not a good sign if you're getting urinary incontinence and any sort of popping or arching of the lower back, like you can't control that pressure. That probably means we need to regress your exercise program. Um, So start with slightly more basic exercises or start to add in some support through the TheraBand straps or with the ball or reconnect with the breath in order to uh, make sure all of those symptoms are managed. And then once they are, we can start to slowly progress. Um, But everyone's going to be at a different place postpartum, um, depending on the type of birth they've had, uh, whether it's been a cesarean or vaginal birth, we're going to have slightly different focuses. So focusing more on, as I said, that oblique, um, oblique muscle, After a cesarean and the abdominal wall and after vaginal birth, we're going to have more focus on the pelvic floor. And then um, a woman who's been really active all through her pregnancy um, might be able to get back and progress the exercises more quickly than um, someone who has, you know, had the whole pregnancy feeling sick and hasn't been able to do any exercise or movement. But the most important thing is that we do start early. A lot of the research now is saying um, that the earlier we start, the better. So if you are postpartum, I'll link um, my guides here as well. So I have a guide that you can download um, depending on the type of birth that you had. And that comes with a yoga class that you can do in the first one to two weeks just to reconnect with your breath and pelvic floor and then a Pilates class that you can start as early as um, two to three weeks. And then I recommend a telehealth appointment at four weeks to get started with the full eight-week Restore Your Core program. So um, the last thing that I want to touch on for management and healing of abdominal separation is compression. So the same study that I just talked about that looked at different exercises, they also looked at the effect of tubi grip and taping on abdominal separation. And what they found is that the tubi grip, so the compression that they often give you in the hospital, resulted in a 7% decrease in the interactus distance at rest. So that did help with the um, healing of the abdominal separation. The tubi grip didn't result in a further decrease if they were already doing the exercise, the curl up, um, and taping did not result in a significant difference. So what I usually tell my clients is for a first-time mum who has um, a low risk of ab separation, so they're not carrying twins, they don't have like a um, EDS or a genetic connective tissue disorder, that... um, if they postpartum, if they have a vaginal birth, that they can just wear a, t- a pre-pregnancy pair of activewear tights or shorts, and that'll probably give them quite a lot of compression around the midline um, and also compression around the perineum. And um, there is lots of different things on the market. There is SRC shorts. There's also um, Lenny Rose. That's an Australian brand. Um, there's medical grade compression there's belly bands there's loads of things that you can get on the market for healing ab separation Um, but in my opinion it's not always necessary i think the exercise is the more important thing Um, and most women these days have some pretty tight um, active wear that they could squeeze into that would provide um, quite a, a bit of compression however if you've had a cesarean birth um the extra graded compression can feel really supportive and um in the studies can women have reported improved um symptom management with the um belly bands or the tubi grips so one it depends on the type of birth but we do know that there is a little bit of evidence to support the use of compression for management of ab separation and for that healing and just to support and hold that tissue Uh, often women that it feels quite nice to wear something a little bit more tight just to um hug the belly and the pelvic floor and, and relieve any symptoms of of heaviness that they might be getting early on so um that is my top tips for healing of abdominal separation understanding that there's so many factors, that there is no one-size-fits-all solution um, and that we can't give blanket advice and statements. And that's why I really strongly advise staying off Google, (laughs) which so many pregnant and postpartum mums are on, um, and seeking professional advice because the research is forever changing. Like these studies are very recent, the last two years, But if you look online, a lot of the studies that they're citing are from 20 years ago and our understanding of abdominal separation and the healing of it has changed and moved significantly in those years and is still changing and developing. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share this with other pregnant women or other women that you think deserve to understand this information It is my mission to share this knowledge with women because this is something that I believe that we should all be taught.